Welcome back to Tarot for the Wild Soul, Deep Conversations and Soul Medicine for Your Highest Evolution. I am your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being here. So happy full moon, happy post full moon. We, um, I am sure, <laughs> will still be feeling those vibes. It was a very powerful one. And um, the veil on this one has been so thin. I am really excited to um, keep my head and heart open and my um, antenna up to really see what continues to come through. Today um, is a really special day, and it's really special because uh, this is the, I guess, I don't know, presentation. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but this is my first interview for this podcast that I'm releasing today, and it is with the incredible founder of The Numinous and author of Material Girl, Mystical World, Ruby Warrington. Now, this interview is incredibly special for a couple different reasons. It's incredibly special because Ruby means the world to me and offered me the opportunity to start doing the weekly and monthly taroscopes for The Numinous. I also am included in the tarot section, of her beautiful book, Material Girl, Mystical World. And um, for someone who has um, supported me, seen me, believed in me, given me so many opportunities, um, that was the first reason that it felt just like such a heart-centered yes. The second reason is that Ruby is one of the most generous, open-hearted, warm-hearted, wise, and beautiful individuals I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and is a absolute, um, just the most beautiful curator and creator of content and of sharing the gifts of others. Um, she's someone who, if you don't know her, I'd like for you to know her. And um, thirdly, this is also a very special interview and interesting that it's the first because Ruby, while being an author and a mystical girl in all ways, is not a tarot reader. And traditionally, I'm going to be interviewing people who are tarot readers, tarot teachers, but it felt right because of the taroscope piece. And it also felt right because so much of how Ruby channeled this book is through a wild soul lens, so much of how she has made her decisions, quit her job at the right times, taken leaps, has come from a sacred wild soul place. So I wanted to share that I will be interviewing people from time to time, Ruby being the first and an incredible, incredibly illustrious start to um, interviewing people who may not be tarot readers. But again, this podcast is for people who use tarot on their wild soul path. So next week, I'll be interviewing someone who is a, you know, tarot reader by title. I wanted everyone to know that, again, I'm going to be interviewing and sharing conversations with people from all paths and all walks who use tarot in all different ways. So just wanted to share that because it's the first and um, because I think it's someone really, really special to me, um, whose relationship with tarot is very unique and special in her own way. And our interview will be coming in just a few minutes. And, um, I know you're going to love it. 
And we talk quite a bit about the wild soul path and about tarot and Ruby's favorite cards. And I'm very excited for you to hear it. So beyond that, I have two more things to say. The first is thank you. I have never in my life received more positive feedback, more kindness, more positivity. Um, I'll say positivity again. (laughs) Um, I can't believe the amount of people who reached out, who shared um, with me how the podcast touched them, helped them, how they like it, how they love it, how it meant something to them. I, The kind of feedback I got was extraordinary and way beyond what I ever, ever expected. And I don't know what else to say, but thank you. And that I'm bowing to each and every one of you, and I'm really, really, really honored beyond words that you're here. Thank you so much for listening, and it's really my pleasure to serve you in any way that I can, and hope that I can continue to. Um, Just wanted to say my deepest gratitude for this wild soul community that's already forming, and I'm excited to keep sharing content. Um, and the last thing that I just ever so briefly want to talk about is the fact that we are currently, as of today, in the Lionsgate portal. Just a little thing. <laughs> the Lionsgate portal um, is a kind of, well, it's a portal, and it's a kind of an energetic um frequency this time that opens up from August 8th to August 12th. It's always when the sun is in Leo, which we're in right now, and is always marked and kind of um, formed by the star Sirius, which is in relationship to it moving closer to Earth, um, being connected with Orion's belt, and syncing up with the pyramids in Giza. And it happens every year, and there's a very divine synchronicity to the whole thing. So the importance of the Lionsgate portal being ruled by, um, obviously, Leo being kind of connected to the number eight, massive, massive, massive transformation, huge. It is all about awakening, and it's all about moving into new ways of thinking, being, connecting, considering. You know, we talked a little bit in the first episode, I talked a little bit in the first episode about the energy of the strength card because the strength card is ruled by Leo. And in the strength card, we see this woman who's, you know, really soft um, in the Smith Rider weight, you know, adorned with flowers, dressed in white, who has her hands on a lion's snout on a lion's mouth and is really gentling the lion with her touch when we might expect the lion to attack her. So this is an example of what the promise of the lion's gate entails. If we are willing to open our minds and to suspend our expectations on what you know, we might anticipate something to be, we might um, believe a way might unfold for us. You know, if we believe that 
we put our hands on a lion, it's going to bite our hand off. We're not even going to try it. The lion's gate invites us to take a breath, to check in, and to take action, to open up, to be really, really aware of all of the invitations that are waiting for us over the next four days. Um, There, again, are opportunities for very, very, very massive shifts. For me personally, um, even though I have a Leo moon, I'm not incredibly sensitive to the Lionsgate. But what I will say is that it is a time for me that I am open hugely if I allow myself to be, if I allow the space for it, open massively to downloads. And as we know, intuitive downloads and intuitive frequencies and intuitive hearing loves space, loves space. So it's really important to make the space. And the connection to Sirius, when Sirius is close to Earth, it's just a wash of power and of um, connection and um, synchronicity and information. And there's so much that wants to come through to us and um, things will position themselves on a lion's gate to ensure that we're in the right place at the right time to hear something so that we can be in deep receiving and really be activated in this whole new way. So that's exciting. And there's something really beautiful to that. Um, So know that over the next four days, that's available. That's available to all of us as we kind of prepare for Mercury retrograde, as we kind of prepare even already for the next eclipse and, you know, move through the energy of the eclipse we just moved through yesterday. Um, I want to say to everyone, be willing to get really quiet this week. Be willing to cancel more plans than you make. Be willing to really nestle up, curl up, and keep the home fires of peace really burning. Um, that doesn't mean laziness. It doesn't mean, um not being connected. It means being willing to honor that this is a really precious time. And August is a very precious month. And the more we are prioritizing the deep receiving that we're being invited into, um, the smoother and easier and more graceful our subsequent evolution will be over the next, however many our lives, I don't know, (laughs) forever. Um, We're learning a new way. So really be willing to not take on anything, not be willing to do anything we, your heart is telling you not to do. Um, I also just want to say, um, I promise really quickly, I feel like I said this was going to be quick, like 10 minutes ago. Um, Mercury retrograde. Uh, I talked a little bit ever so slightly about this in episode one. And I just want to repeat that it's nothing to fear. Mercury retrograde is a very, very important opportunity to stop, to review, to be sure of what the next steps are, to check in around the last cycle. 
you know, whenever the last Mercury retrograde was, really drop in. What happened after Mercury went direct to now? What can you gently simmer instead of trying to boil so that once September comes, once we're out of the retrograde, things will be things will have been given the time they need to get much, much, much clearer. We can get much clearer. We can get more grounded before we kind of set that cauldron to a boil. Patience, really, really important. I'm practicing it too. All different kinds of things may be coming up kind of in our nervous systems and our brain chemistry, really wanting all of these loose ends that we're all experiencing massive loose ends right now, big time unanswered questions, literal like deals and projects and connections and um, all kinds of different projects in the works that are literally hanging because we either feel like we can't quite continue them or they've stopped on another end. So many of us are standing right now with a lot of loose threads just sort of open. And of course, it's a natural human desire to want to close that gap and weave those threads into a braid. And it's just not going to happen until we're out of this month. Let the threads be. Be willing to consider that they're actually braiding themselves in a way that is way beyond what we can even perceive of. And if we give it the chance... Once we come to it with our humanness, if we've done the work and if we've allowed these upgrades to take place, we're going to come back to those loose ends, totally different people. We might even think to do something differently with them than we ever had envisioned before. So it's just another gentle invitation to anyone listening to this, to anyone that this resonates with. I'm not saying not to do anything this month. That's certainly not what anyone's guides are saying. Just do what is in front of you. Say yes to what's here. This year, 2017, is the, numer- the numerology of it is ruled by both the magician and the wheel of fortune. Because if we add up two plus zero plus one plus seven, we're going to get 10. And if we add one plus zero together, we're going to get one. So that's magician for one, 10 for the wheel of fortune. The wheel of fortune is the card that intersects between free will and fate. It's the card that, as I always say, if the Wheel of Fortune is about baking a cake, we are not responsible for the rising and the baking of the cake in the oven. We are responsible for the preparation of the cake so that when we put it in the oven, all of that alchemy can do its thing. And that's sort of like the relationship between what's happening right now with us and our destiny. We're being asked to get really, really down into the center to prepare the cake and to not worry about the finished product. So really be here for the unfolding of your life and don't worry about trying to get in the oven with that cake right now. Just buy the ingredients, mix it, put it in, and wait until you hear the timer go off. And with that being said... (laughs) I just want to thank everyone for listening to this and hopefully it served you. And now I'm going to pass you along to me again and the beautiful Ruby Warrington. And I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening.
Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, deep conversations and tarot medicine for your soul's evolution. I am beyond excited to share with you my first ever guest on this podcast. She is my dear friend and beyond being a dear friend and a dear person and a beautiful healer, she is the founder of The Numinous, ever heard of it? and the author of her incredible new book, Material Girl Mystical World. Please welcome Ruby Warrington. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be your first guest. You're my first. You're my first. <laughs> As an Aries, that makes me very happy. I do like to be first. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was easy. It was very easy. So how are you? I'm great, Lindsay. I'm really great. <laughs> I good. really am. Like I've just been yeah. feeling very buoyant the past couple of weeks. It's like wow. something I feel like in to put it in the words that you might use, I feel like I've been through a major contraction this year and mm-hmm. I'm kind of coming out into that expansion phase. Mm-hmm. I can like feel it in every in every action, in all my conversations, in all the thoughts I'm having about my life and it's wow. really it feels really exciting. Well, I mean, you <laughs> literally gave birth. Right. Like you there literally was a literal contraction. Literal of, contractions. Yes. Yes. Wow. I mean we uh, full disclosure, we've been mm. totally talking for an hour, but I will <laughs> I will ask you to repeat things. Mm. How does it feel? So your book, mm. first of all, is incredible. Thank for anyone you. for anyone listening to this who hasn't heard of Ruby's book. And if you haven't read it, like literally stop listening to this podcast and download it. Did you do an audio recording for that too? I mean, so you can get it on Audible, Mm -hmm. you can get it on iTunes, you can get it on your phone, you can get it at your local bookseller, Mm -hmm. you can get it anywhere you want. Mm -hmm. And to hear Ruby, I have to experience it that way. Like, I feel like that's my next step. To get the (laughs) audio To get it on Audible, yes. Um, It's incredible. And essentially encapsulates Ruby's experience, her background in journalism, her background in fashion, um, and how that has shaped her experience in the mystical world with all of these different experiences in all of these different modalities. And essentially what you've done is created the Bible. I, I'm going to like, <laughs> I am going to go out and say that. Wow. I am. Like, I, I stand by that. The Bible for modern 21st century, present day, post-Trump, like (laughs) current Mm. era, Mm. huge collective evolution. You've really created the Bible and the touchstone for anyone looking to evolve in ways that are so deep, they're unbelievable. And in ways that are so fun, they're unbelievable, which I feel like is one of my favorite things about you. Well, that's, I think, the path that I have walked in my own evolution over the past five years, like you say, Mm. from working in fashion magazines and having this very materialistic, very outwardly focused um, career and Mm. sort of seeking very much outside of myself for what I viewed then as success, I suppose. And essentially getting to a point where I realized that none of that was making me happy. And if anything, it was just like deepening this void I felt inside Mm. um, of deep unfulfillment. And I think in a a weird way, my personal experience over the past five, six years of kind of embracing all of the 
modalities and practices and philosophies that I talk about and explore in the book has been a sort of microcosm of what we've been experiencing as a collective also. Wow. And I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the T word already, like right at the beginning <laughs> yeah, of this I'm interview. Not, I'm yeah, not shy. Um, but I was so, so thankful that I got to um, tweak the manuscript post-election. Because oh, there was already yeah. um, a seam going through, running through, like a subtext running through the text of like, well, what is the, what's the real purpose for investigating all these practices? What's the purpose of mm. like all this time spent healing ourselves? If it's not to come into such a sense of completeness and wholeness that we then yeah. feel like we have enough to give something back to the world. Like mm. this, is a, this is an ancient spiritual concept. I mean, it's like the bottom line of any yeah. kind of like deeper look at, at spirituality really me as a spiritual being connected to all other spiritual beings when I recognize that it becomes my duty and I take it on willingly mm. to be of service in the world that was already there but yeah. post-election I was like let's amplify that message yeah. please and I'm so thankful like I said they actually put the pub date back two months which meant at first I was really annoyed because I really wanted her to be an Aries baby like me <laughs> And then she was also going to be coming out during Mercury retrograde. And I was like, guys, what? <laughs> but I'm actually really thankful I got that extra time because yeah. it allowed me to kind of bring that message through a little stronger. So, yeah, it's, it's become it's, – it's a much more meaningful book than I ever intended it to be, than my publisher ever intended it to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because I was literally living this and writing about this personal transformation in real time yeah. as I saw it reflected in our – society also you know it's incredible and you know I think how you've essentially framed this book as a humble invitation for people to look at their self um work and self-healing as an act of activism and of dharma exactly like literally and mm -hmm. that's that is this time in history that we're in mm -hmm. because no one you know there is no other but no one in this you know, nobody experiencing what we're experiencing right now is going to get out of it not awake, yeah. <laughs> you know, in one way or another, exactly. even if it's a moment yeah. or a glimmer. And um, especially in your conclusion, which I remember you read it, an mm. event that I worked at it was mm. so beautiful. Like there's just such a gentle, humble, like the book in some parts almost feels like a bow, you know, to this ancient way that is essentially presented in this beautiful lens and um I love what you've shared just now about I love that you were given that extra time yeah. even though she's not an Aries baby <laughs> she's a Taurus which is the material girl so it kind of makes Perfect. sense and that hot pink is so Taurian to me so it actually did, did of course of course all happen in divine timing mm. but I think yeah um some people who haven't actually read the book will look at it and go isn't this just spiritual materialism you're telling people it's that opposite. it's like fabulous to be and I'm like read the book and come back to me because mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that like none of this is about what crystals you've got none of this is about what class you can go to none of this is about what how you know what decks you've got these tools are our birthright. They kind of exist within all of us already. And actually, if we're really pure in our pursuit of this self-knowledge, self-understanding, then it doesn't require any external sort of influence, really. It's a, it all comes from within. That's beautiful. Mm. And I feel like that is what you've just described um, is kind of the story of your life. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's mm. how you've gone from, you know, 
where you were in college or university Mm. to your career, how Mm -hmm. you went from your career to astrology, how Mm -hmm. you went from astrology to the numinous Mm -hmm. and how you've gone really from the numinous to this like star child of a book. And now all of this beautiful work on, you know, I've been loving, um, who know? I feel like when people see this, you may have already done some of these events mm-hmm. um, when this uh, episode mm-hmm. is released, mm-hmm. but love all of the work you're doing and the classes you're teaching around Dharma and around mm-hmm. really, really honoring your soul purpose. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that, that th- what you're saying is so true of what you've brought into the world, that it doesn't need to be this or that or this. It's just been this beautiful offering from your own inner work it's literally what it is if you think about you know the term numinous I had the idea for the numinous after I'd heard that word for the first time it's that word that really lit the fire in me but the word numinous essentially means the what it what is the unknowable or indescribable Mm -hmm. essence of being human like of our human experience and I think that my, my whole experience of working on the project has taught me to value that above and above above all else and to really feel connected to that mm-hmm. my sense of spirituality my sense of spirit above all else you know all of the external stuff just feels like it's just the fluff but very beautiful wonderful human fluff to <laughs> yes. enjoy and actually enjoying all of the this is a lot of people as well will say to me but how can you really be still want material things and be truly spiritual and I'm like well I'm a human being. That's how I have a human body. And it feels good. Like I seek out pleasurable experiences because that's what makes life worth living in this, in this dimension, you know? So yeah, yeah, but it's, I, you know, I talk about how um, the society that we live in places basically not even just disproportionately, but like pretty much all importance on attaining the external, on taking care of and tending to the external material mm. needs, desires, etc., And very, very little on the internal. So for me, it's really about living a holistically aligned life. <laughs> Some people might think that sounds pretentious, but living a, a fulfilling and complete and true mm. human life is about seeking a balance between the material and the mystical. Yeah, and that's what, yeah. that's what you're about. That's what I'm about. <laughs> Can you take people through, because I think, if I may, um, your story is so powerful. You know, you're working in fashion and this incredible job as a journalist, and then all of a sudden you, it, to put it, you know, you can correct me if this is <laughs> yeah. slightly not on, but... <laughs> All of a sudden, I feel like you've described to me in the past this knowing, like, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. And I have mm. everything I love. Mm. And I remember you sharing with me that astrology was sort of this bridge that helped you walk to essentially birthing the numinous. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear about that because I feel like you know, we are talking about the wild soul path and that mm. is the wild soul path. Mm. There is, I feel like very little choice <laughs> involved. It's like, you know, the labor starts and then we can either choose to go through the labor or yes. deny it. Okay, yes. But I'm curious, this is a twofold question. And yeah. I'll remind you of this if it gets okay. too far out mm-hmm. there. 
What was your experience? Well, I'd first of all, love to know a little bit more about your experience and how that unfolded for you literally. Mm -hmm. And also if your experience was similar moving from doing the numinous, having this active voice in the community and then realizing, oh, I have to write this book and I'm going to completely change as a person while writing it (laughs) and I'm going to transform and sort of where you're feeling on the wake of that. So it sort of feels like these two moments in your life where Mm. you reached the end, Mm -hmm. a bridge, this kind of golden bridge was Mm. formed and you started on the other side and then you did it again and then you did it again and I think that that is the deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can you speak to that? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the becoming unhappy with my job, with my job, essentially it was, and I think this is something a lot of people experience when you kind of like, you achieve everything you set out to achieve. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, isn't that it? Because this doesn't feel great. I'm not jumping out of bed every day going, I've made it. I have everything. I've got it all. Mm-hmm. I was actually getting out of bed thinking, whoa, if this is it and this is it like for the rest of my life, then I don't know if I want that. Not that I was suicidal, but you know, yeah. I don't know if I like, what? How can that, how can this be it? Have I, I was like, have I achieved everything so young? I guess I was like 34, 35 at the time. Have I achieved everything? And now I'm just kind of like, that's it, just this straight line of like just doing this for the rest of my life. Mm. And it was more, it first began, it first manifested as as a sense of just boredom Mm. and monotony. And I was like, huh? And of course I was like taking myself out of that with binge drinking, taking drugs at the weekend, just to like get some of the excitement that Mm. I was lacking from my life, you know? Um, And then the boredom kind of morphed into extreme anxiety because I wasn't doing anything to address it. And obviously there was a deeper issue here, which now I can look back and go, well, the deeper issue was that I I wasn't using my talents, my gifts, my innate abilities to put anything that I felt was of value out into the world. I wasn't doing Mm. anything that felt remotely meaningful to me. Everything I was doing in my career was purely in pursuit of status, money, all the external stuff I, I kind of touched on. So yeah, I kind of, you know, I was like, well, I obviously, I wasn't really aware that it went that deep at the time. I just thought I was bored and that I was kind of like, okay, I've achieved all my ambitions. I'll do some, I guess I'll think of something else I could do with my time to Mm -hmm. keep me inspired. And that's when I came upon astrology as like something that I've always just been super fascinated by and thought I can study that then in my spare time and I'll maybe become an astrologer one day. Totally. It felt quite random at the time coming from like this fashion magazine career <laughs> because everyone thought I was a total weirdo for like being into astrology, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was on this, that journey that I really, I just kind of, I just, and it's what I, I preach, I suppose. I literally just followed step by step, like what felt the most interesting to me today. Mm-hmm. And I, the practical application was I introduced myself to the resident astrologer at the Sunday Times where I was working at the time, Shelley von Strunkel, this incredible kind of like, she's actually American, but she's lived in London for many years, but incredibly sort of, she's just an incredible mystic. She's traveled the world, Mm. studied all sorts of different ancient philosophies and lives in this, it's like kind of, imagine like Harry Potter meets Sex and the City style loft in King's Cross, like every, every book (laughs) you could imagine on every tradition. Wow. Incredible loft, all this beautiful art, like, 
and I would go around and she'd sort of tell me all her stories and I was just like completely entranced and I was like this is it this something about this is what's missing for me oh and maybe like in the world Mm. (laughs) a connection to that ancient knowledge a connection to these ancient practices which I truly have come to believe are our birthright but that have been consciously or not taken from us in the name of keeping us in this very narrow path of like this is what it means to be a human being in this world Mm -hmm. this is what success looks like this is these are the goals that we must achieve yeah no no these are not success does not necessarily look like this and all of these tools I believe have come to believe are about tapping us back into well what's my truth what am I here to achieve what am I here to do with that achievement what am I here to contribute you know yeah um so yeah it, it, it was and then of course once I sort of like tapped into it and began thinking about it seriously because I was still never going to leave my job by the way because I was so like convinced that this job was everything I wanted even mm. though I was unhappy <laughs> <laughs> but it was that yeah. thing of like I didn't even realize how unhappy I was I just yeah. thought this is just how life is yeah life is hard nah. some and you know um so then my husband got a job in New York and it was kind of like, no, you're leaving your job and you're going to go move to New York to the epicenter of where I think actually people always say, oh, this is so, it's so LA. And I'm like, well, actually, no, mm. I've had quite a few conversations with my, my mystical friends about this. I actually think in New York, people are so into being their best self mm. that a lot of the tools we're seeing being used, be it meditation, yoga, breathwork, astrology, tarot, whatever it is, people are using them and actually applying them in their lives, in their days, in yes. the name of like, I'm going to live my best life. Absolutely. Whereas in LA, and this is just the impression I get, it's more of a kind of like, this is my lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. You know? I completely agree with that. And I think part of it is that the two cities are completely different. New York is way more of a survivor. Mm. Not even like in terms of victimhood, but just it's a tougher energy. And Mm. I also think, you know, I've said this before, even about Los Angeles, like, or um, I'm sorry, um, Las Vegas, which I actually love Las Vegas. Me too. I love love it. it. I love it. I am it's all so fun. It's amazing. It's and just amazing. It's amazing. And I love it so much. And my husband, I've traveled out with him for work. This will have a point, but I have, I have always justified like immediately. I know the reason why I love it is because it's literally on the Mojave, mm. literally ah. on the Mojave. And in LA, you don't need to travel too, too far to get to, the sea, mm. to go to the desert. You mm. don't need to travel. So I feel like, and I don't, I'm sure I'll get feedback from people from Los Angeles, and <laughs> exactly. I love everyone Likewise. out there, but I these are these are my words, not reflective of yours, but mm. I, I, I agree with you, and I think that I wonder, I wonder, I don't even think, I wonder if a part of that is because we literally do not have the energetic recompense. We don't have the exchange Mm. from nature here. Mm. We need Mm. the tools, literally need them. Anytime I'm in LA, the option of going somewhere for the day 
is there for them, mm-hmm. which I think doesn't necessarily make it easy, but I, I absolutely feel that there, there's something to do with that. People here really want to get right with themselves. Yeah. And I think it's because there's no other way to do it in New York yeah. City unless you're self-empowered. Yeah, this is very, very true. And I also feel like, you know, going speaking specifically to the fact that I was able to very... It wasn't even that quick. It took me about a year to start working on the Numinous after I moved here. But Mm. I felt very, very quickly, very supported by the entrepreneurial spirit of New York City. Mm. And that's something we all know about New York. And I wonder if, say, our move had been to L.A., if I might have just it might have just been a more personal journey I went on rather than feeling it would become some kind of a business or something that I built. It might have just taken it might have happened. It probably would have happened in L.A., but it might have taken longer, I think. Yeah. Because immediately I moved here, um, and I did speak about this at my launch, but I really just felt so supported by the incredible women, yourself included, who I met as soon as I moved here, who just wanted to, like, help with this crazy idea I'd had, Mm -hmm. who just wanted to donate their time and their energy and their skills to help me build this platform. And I'm just so incredibly grateful to have found that here, and I think that... That to me does feel like a very unique thing to New York City. My husband says this all the time. He thinks that New York. He's always like, "Yeah, New York. It's such a it's such a woman's town." <laughs> I really <laughs> Which I love think that. Is really interesting. I think he has had the experience of working with a lot of very strong mm. women, capable women in this city. Um, I don't know which comes first, whether the city breeds that or whether yeah. people who are naturally uh, women who naturally. Um, have that kind of like fight and that spirit are drawn here um but whatever it is I've found it to be incredibly supportive Mm. I love Mm. that Mm. (laughs) what was your um how did the book get conceived Mm. what happened with that so it was actually a very different thing with the book Mm. it wasn't that I was frustrated with the numinous and was looking for the next thing but somebody at HarperCollins reached out to me. They That's had amazing. found, um, an editor there had found The Numinous online a, month, a year or so after I started it, looking for different voices in this sort of spiritual space and asked if I had a book proposal in my back pocket, which I didn't. So I kind of ignored her email <laughs> for a while and quickly got something together. And eventually, yeah, we... we I say we, I, I started working with an agent around the same time who was actually a friend who I'm not working with anymore, but um, they helped me get a proposal together and we sort of pitched it around and ended up with the agent, with the person who'd originally reached out, which felt very much oh. right and as it should be. And she's Absolutely. been a, an incredible editor. So yeah, it really, the pro- it, it, it had its own life really in the way of so many of the best things. It just kind of like happened, which feel, I'm so grateful for that but it wasn't Mm. something I was seeking out I'd given up on the idea of writing books even though it was something I was really into as a child um I did try and write novels a couple of times in my 20s just never really got very far with it wasn't really feeling it sent a couple of proposals out never really had any good feedback and I was like no I'm a journalist I'm not that kind of a writer Mm. I'm not a book writer and this book is very much a journal a piece of journalism definitely I mean it's so it's so, so heavily referential. Like, there's so many interviews in it. It's incredibly informative. It's, it's a reportage, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that is my, that's my writing style. I didn't think it would ever find its way into a book. <laughs> How did you write it? Because the chapters, I found myself um, thinking about this as I was reading them because so much of your chapters are on, are this beautiful kind of tapestry in this weaving of 
your experience in the modality, how you got there, a practitioner in the modality, their quotes, of which I was one of the people that you interviewed and we talked for over an hour. Mm -hmm. So what was your literal breakdown? Did you go section by section? Did you go in order? Did you break down pull quotes? Did you... Because when you read it, it feels like such a seamless channeled thing. But I don't know, my Virgo rising, I'm curious. Ah, Like, How did you literally (laughs) frame that together Mm. and weave that together? It was undoubtedly the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. You did it incredibly. Blood, sweat, and tears. Like, (laughs) literally. Yeah. Literally, maybe not the blood. Although I did did bleed. I did bleed. You did bleed while you were writing it, it, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it was... I mean, I guess, you know, I have 20 years as a journalist now. So I'm well practiced. You know how to do it. In do an interview, pull out the good... Know what the good relevant quotes are. So it was, yeah, I started with quite a, a, a strict structure of like... This is the table of contents. These are the chapters I want to include. And then I approached each chapter almost as a feature, almost Mm. as its own individual piece of journalism. Worked out who I wanted to speak to, what readings I, you know, I'd experienced that I wanted to bring in, what books, um, and kind of like compiled all my research for each chapter and worked on them one by one. And I actually submitted them to my editor one by one. So it didn't ever feel like this mountain of like another 50,000 words. I filed 108,000 words. I had to cut 25,000. Oh my I've God. Ne- like, uh, yeah. I cut five, <laughs> full, in the end I cut five full chapters because I was just, they would like, it's just too long. And because it, I mean, it's not a short book. No. Although many people have told me they've read it in a space of a few days, which I always But that's because like, it's a real page turner. It's a page turner, which, yeah. is, which is great. Because mm-hmm. it is a meaty read. Like there's a lot yeah. in it. Um, I mean, so, I read yeah. Harry Potter book seven in a day, so right. I feel like it can be done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, it was, um, I approached it. And, and then in terms of the actual timing, I would get, I, it's the first time, and we have discussed this, that I've ever put myself on an email and social media ban. Yeah. It was the only way to get the headspace to be able to have the focus and the concentration. Because while I'm writing this book, the newness is still running. I mean, it was and growing, fully operational. And growing, fully yeah. operational. I also launched Club Soda, which is my um, Sober Curious event series during that time. I also launched Moon Club with Alexandra Roxo, mm-hmm. um, our monthly mentorship program during that time so it's not like I was kind of put off the gas on any of my other projects (laughs) it was just kind of like this additional huge project that was going on so I would kind of get up at like six and write till about 10 or 11 oh my god every day the the intense writing period was about six months every day every day wow yeah well maybe like you know I'd have a, a if I wasn't doing a writing, it would be intense kind of researching and planning during that morning yeah. period. Just because I know those, for me, those morning hours between immediately waking and before all of the kind of like technological information and data entering my brain is the most valuable and precious mm. time for writing. Um, so I guess, I mean, I don't really use the word channeling, but it, it feels like that to me because oh, it's absolutely. just I, it's the only time I can be in. I'm in such a flow that hours mm. like that, four or five hours, will just go and it feels like no, it feels like I'm somewhere else. It's incredible. Yeah. Wow. 
So yeah, incredible, huge amounts of discipline and focus, but mm. very much drawing on my years of training, of being able to just kind of like write to deadlines. Yeah. I'm just, I've just had to train myself. I've been mm. trained in that over the years. So yeah. If you can choose it, if you, if you literally cannot, that's fine. Mm. Do you have a favorite part of the book? Was there a favorite modality for you to work on that mm. felt like a little extra juicier than the other one? The chapter on the Divine Feminine, hmm. which I wrote last, um, it was an, a subject area I had not been, had done so much work in. Hmm. Um, if anything, I had some kind of resistance around it. I was like, for me, those words, Divine Feminine, just conjured so many kind of like images of like women wafting around in robes. And I don't know, a lot of, I had a lot of prejudice, which I realize, and this is why it's become my favorite chapter, was born of it being the place I had the most work to do yeah. and where I had the most wounds personally. So it became the most, It's in a way, it's one of the most personal and revealing chapters, I think. Um, and it just feels like it really gets to the absolute heart of so many of the issues that we're seeing unfold in all of their gory kind of like reality on the world stage right now. So it became extremely political, personal. Yeah. It makes me cry every time I read it. It's just like, yeah, huge. <laughs> well, my next that my next question was gonna be, what was the most challenging one to write? And I wonder if was it that one for you as well? Yeah. Well, actually, um, in a way, the most challenging were the chapters on yoga and meditation because I was kind of like, how am I gonna say anything new and different mm. about these subjects, which are so out there in the mainstream now? Um, that's not gonna I as an Aries with my Mercury in Aries too, I absolutely abhor any kind of a cliche. Like I hate to be kind of like saying what's already been said. If I can't put a new spin on something, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I can't go there. So they in a way were the hardest to write. Mm. Um, but I actually, I became very, I, I'm, I really am very happy with those two chapters now, particularly the chapter on meditation. Um, it's actually, it was because of wanting to write about meditation that I that I embarked on a journey with transcendental meditation which became the practice that has really worked for me so I'm thankful to it for that but they were difficult for that reason of just like what am I going to say that hasn't already been said in a mm. gazillion listicles on mind body green you know <laughs> totally mm. <laughs> wow that's so powerful and so what is the next um it feels like this book has such a long life to it. I feel like it could be, I don't know, like a TV show. I feel like it could be like so, where do you feel like um, you desire to kind of go now that you've explored all of these different like it almost feels like Three of Wands energy, if you're familiar with that. Tell me, like, tell me. Well, Three of Wands is, it means a lot of different things, but there's a real powerful image of this in the Rider Waite, this person who um, in the Two of Wands is sort of looking into a globe that he's holding, trying to... Um, like ready to move forward, ready to do something new, like the hunger and the excitement. And um, it can be about a choice. It can be about all different kinds of things. But this person wants to travel the world, wants to do something new, wants to spark up something new. Mm. 
And in the Three of Wands, you see him just from the back kind of looking out onto this landscape, having done that. Mm. It's almost like the passage of time has occurred and we're Mm -hmm. seeing the same person years later, wizened, has gone everywhere, and now is both honoring the fact that they have gone so far and yet because they're alive and they have a soul and is saying in this really rooted way like what now mm. how do you feel about that do you feel like yeah, you're there that does feel that feels very pertinent definitely I feel like this has been a huge achievement mm-hmm. huge. Um, and I wasn't and I came out of it in my very kind of like Aries quite yang energy and was like right what next keep it keep the next thing going and mm. I sudden and I and I mentioned this to you earlier and I, I touched on it here where I've talked about how I've had lots of different projects happening at the same time mm-hmm. and I came out of it actually feeling quite sad that my my um my commitment or my allegiance to the cult of productivity as oh. I describe it has actually in, not just at this point in my life, but throughout my life, really prevented me from just really enjoying where I'm at. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that so many of us experience. I think part of my, you know, when I was saying at the beginning of this interview, I just feel jubilant and excited, is that I've actually really taken my foot off the gas for the first time in mm. maybe ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I just want to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I just want to, just want to, you know, it's been so wonderful and gratifying and beautiful to get all the feedback I've been getting from people who are reading the book Mm -hmm. I'm like I actually want to just be there to enjoy that and to let all of that land on me and to be there with people who are reading it to have time to like respond to them and ask them how what what they're getting from it and like just really be in service of this book and its work and not Mm -hmm. think about yeah, I mean, it could be, it could spin off into other things, but actually this book needs more of my love and attention still because I don't feel I was properly able to give it that during the writing process. So I just want to be with it for a little while and really enjoy that. it. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I feel like that's just the sign of true, um, just a true soul offering. That's mm. beautiful. Mm. I love that. Mm. I'm just loving it being out in the world. And I think, yeah, I just want to, I mean, I have got, you know, there. I've definitely over the past year and a half got way more comfortable with speaking and doing events and things. And so I'm booking in lots more of that because I'm actually finding, if I'm at an event and I'm speaking about this book, Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) I never thought I would love public speaking it's always been really hard for me and I speak about I write about that in the chapter on dharma is how it's like this has revealed itself as part of my path and I've always been very uncomfortable with it and found Mm. it hugely challenging but um I'm actually coming to enjoy it so Mm. more of that love you know like yeah there's some uh, the other thing is as a journalist I'm very used to you know you work on something you write it you publish it and it's on to the next thing it's like once it's out there that's the end of the that process with this, it feels like the opposite, like you said. And this is something I wasn't expecting. Mm. It's out there in the world, and now is when its journey starts. Wow. And I thought that I'd had that as the end point. Wow. And at first, that was quite daunting to me because I was so exhausted by the time it came out. I was yeah. like, what, more? <laughs> huh? <laughs> I thought it was done. But now I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's got its whole life ahead of it. This is incredible. It's literally your baby. Mm-hmm. It and is. you worked so hard to 
nurture it and you were pregnant with it for so mm. long and the laboring of it and mm. the birthing of it was so intense mm-hmm. but and you literally have a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that's just call a book it is i you know i'm a bit like that's a bit of a cliche a book baby but i mentioned this to a woman i know who had a book out and then she gave birth like two weeks later and she was like honestly exact same thing really? i can speaking i'm speaking she was as a mother exact same thing wow. in terms of the emotions that you go through with the with the birthing process wow so yeah it's my book baby she's my book baby and i love i love her she's <laughs> beloved her. by so many yes. your sweet taurus baby <laughs> she is <laughs> love it yeah really quickly let's mm. talk tarot let's talk tarot. Like really quickly yeah what card do you love ruby what's your favorite card well the star card Aww. talking of water parks i kind yeah. of like um yeah the star and it's i beautiful. it's funny i've always because when i i originally thought well what card do i most relate to in that question yeah and immediately what often comes up to me with being an aries with sagittarius rising is the fool mm. however i actually feel much more in alignment with the self-care sort of elements of the star card and the healer elements of the star card Mm -hmm. um so that's definitely i just always am like so happy to see her in a spread or like in my tarot scopes i'm like oh it's gonna be a beautiful month you know totally so yeah the star that's beautiful (laughs) and what card what card has presented to you if any card um a challenge like which one do you not love maybe not understand as much like what's the one that when you see it you have to breathe thanks in part to your teachings about the tarot there are no cards that fill me with fear wow thank you anymore i'm so happy to hear that (laughs) um but a card that has that perplexes me Mm -hmm. is interestingly the moon card yeah because i have always, and again, maybe it's partly with my having my moon in Cancer, I have always perceived of the moon as a very benevolent celestial body totally. and a very mothering and nurturing energy. And so I'm always perplexed by the negative, in inverted mm. commas, kind of like associations with the moon card. Mm. Um, so yeah, tell me, what, what can you explain a little bit to me I about can. like... Why, why Why? is the moon not the, our mother like? <laughs> yeah, well, the, uh, it, it's summed up in one piece of information because mm. the moon card is not ruled by the moon. Oh. The moon card is ruled by Pisces. Oh. And high priestess is ruled by the moon. Interesting. So when we think of this idea of like sacred, you know, the high priestess, by the way, is connotated with the moon because of one piece of iconography on Mm. that card, which are the pomegranates behind her. Mm. There's actually, she's related to the moon, high priestesses, because of blood. Right. Like literally being in that psychic space that we were able to get to when we were bleeding along with everyone in the new moon, like Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. or the full moon, depending Mm -hmm. on the ancestral Mm. lineage. Um, so that's why. And the moon card, as represented by Pisces, has to do more with the pull of tides. Yeah, right. Has to do more with the depth of water. I see. Yeah, that's that's the only reason. Because yeah. when you're thinking moon as the way you're talking about yeah. it, like, I get it. And yeah. I, I totally get it. You're thinking of high priestess. Okay. When you're thinking of moon... The moon um, card. Yeah, when you're thinking of, like, the depths that Pisces can go to, 
and, and those the victim hood and the, yes yeah um the shadow of pisces yeah. yeah that's the moon okay yeah makes sense yeah thank you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good one mm. i hear you on that mm. and what card do you feel like you're in right now well um I got some information earlier this year about um, each year numerologically mm-hmm. relating to a growth year in the tarot. Mm-hmm. And when I looked up, I'm in a four year. And oh. so the emperor card presented itself. Also real And I Aries. feel very much, like I said, about my challenge currently with this. Okay, I've been following very intuitively my path with the numinous, just mm-hmm. like doing what feels right, building something that's as much of, of an art project as it is a business like even then I'm kind of like business and I kind of have come out of the book process with like okay I have all these assets here I have this website I have a book I have events I have all these amazing contacts how can I now put some structure around this and make it into a real business Mm -hmm. and that feels very emperor to me absolutely Mm. also that idea of taking up space Mm. like really like redwood tree mountain energy Mm -hmm. also ruled by aries did you know that interesting no he's our card fabulous i know (laughs) i'm all about that right yeah oh i love that yeah what was the growth year was it your birthday with the current year it's your birthday yeah i'll i'll look i'll look it up for you but it's a really interesting i'm six this year right okay yeah okay okay nice cool yeah nice so and i also feel um I, I, I think we touched on this earlier, but um, for both of us feeling this sense of priorities and being quite kind of like clear cut about our no. Yes. And that feels quite emperor to me as well. Like oh, just kind of like, boundaries. this is this is what I need for to be successful for myself right now. And um, yeah, I'm kind of liking that vibe too. Love that. Well... Is there anything else? Anything else you'd like to share? No, I just, I'm so grateful to be here as your first interview. I like mean. it, it feels really, really great. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so thank you for having me. And thank you again for like all of your incredible contributions on the Numinous. Like your voice is so welcome there. And mm. it's just, yeah, it's wonderful to work with you. Thank you, Ruby. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, that I... Ruby so generously offered me the position of writing the monthly taroscopes and doing the video weekly taroscopes a year ago, a year and a half ago it's now. It's longer. Yeah. Really? Exactly, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I remember <laughs> I did them for Pisces first year. Right. Um, I think. Um, I think it was Pisces. Yeah, that feels about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's just been um, such a gift to be able to um, be a part of that community and serve at that level and um, such an inspiration to see you move through the world and take up space and share your light and your vision. And um, I believe in what you're doing so much and it's been an honor to have you. Thanks again. Thank you. (laughs) So for anyone who wants to know more about Ruby, you can, I mean, everyone listening to this has surely heard of the Numinous and have, if you have not, I mean, you're welcome. So you can visit the Numinous. It's Ruby's incredible, beautiful, 
it's not even a blog, it's a website with these incredible contributions from any everything from crystal dildos to <laughs> shamans to a political activism. She um, co-runs this beautiful offering called Moon Club. Ruby also curates um, her event called Club Soda, which is about sober conscious lifestyle. Um, it's about it it's about. It's about what I call being sober curious. Sober so curious, it's about not questioning conscience. and getting really conscious about your drinking choices. I love that. Yeah, and she has beautiful guest Biet Simkin, mm-hmm. right? Biet's my co my partner in that. So yeah, we have all kinds of all kinds of guests, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. and obviously you need to pick up her book, and you can do that wherever books are sold online, mm-hmm. on your phone, mm-hmm. or in a bookseller. Thank you so much for being here, Ruby. Hey. Thanks. Thank you.